Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. Thank you so much. Um, what a beautiful morning it's been so far, and I'm really excited for this morning. Always a privilege to be able to share with you this morning, and just have such faith in my heart that God's really going to meet with each of us personally this morning, and um, as you know, we have been speaking about our vision, See the New for 2023, and which is really, really cool. We've been preaching and sharing on this over the last few months, but I really hope and pray and trust that each of you has been asking God, what is the new for my life? What is the new that you have for me, Lord, personally? And what is the new that you have for our church, for our community? We need to be asking God these things and trusting him for that. And um, the, the, the scripture where we got this, um, see the new, is Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. I'm just going to read it to remind us. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And just for some context here, God is actually speaking to his people, the Israelites. And at the moment, they're in Babylonian exile. They are in captivity. And he is asking them to trust him to set them free. But he's going to do it in a new way. And he's asking them to forget the past. Although the past was pretty magnificent. I mean, he literally did signs and wonders, parting of the Red Sea, 10 plagues, you name it, to get them out of captivity, out of the land of Egypt, into the promised land. And yet God says, forget that. Forget the past. I am doing a new thing. And um, his people shouldn't live in the past, but trust him. And what we have to understand is in the Old Testament, every story in the Old Testament actually points to Jesus points to Jesus as our ultimate redeemer and deliverer and savior. And I believe this morning that actually seeing the new actually starts with seeing Jesus. It has to start there. We need more of Jesus. Whether we've been saved for a week or whether we've been saved for 50 years, we all need fresh revelation of Jesus and what he wants to do and birth that is new in our lives. We need more of him. And you know, I was just thinking, when you walk in a relationship with somebody over many years, over a long time, you get to kind of see new facets, and you learn more about this person, navigating different seasons, good seasons, tough seasons. But um, I, was just, I was just thinking, Mark's mom, uh, they've been married for, what, 50, over 50, 53 years, and she says to me to this day, you know what, Candace? I'm still learning about Abe, Mark's dad. Even to this day, I am learning something new about him. And it's the same with our relationship with God. And um, I was just thinking back, you know, um, to our early years. Well, actually on honeymoon, we had the privilege of going to Thailand, um, beautiful Thailand. And we were newlyweds and, you know, um, so exciting, beautiful sea, flat, beautiful blue sea. We decided, no, let's hire a jet ski together and um, I will just hold on to Mark and we'll go for a beautiful romantic jet ski ride. So I'm thinking, this is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Uh, the sea's flat. I don't like big waves. I'm a bit of a scaredy pants, you know. But um, so we hire this jet ski and Mark is really going quite fast. And I'm like, just, can you just slow down, please? But he's not listening to me. He's like, this isn't fast. Just hang on. And I'm like, please slow down. I'm now shouting at him, slow down. I can't handle. The tears are streaming down my face. Eventually, I'm like literally clawing my nails into, a into his chest. True story, hey? 
I think I drew a bit of blood. You've got some scars there. No, I'm joking about the scars. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I realized, oh my word, who is this madman that I've married? This adrenaline junkie. I'm, I'm like completely opposite to him. What have I done? No, I'm joking. It wasn't really that bad. But um, you know, as we've navigated different seasons, um, really, really tough seasons, uh, there was a couple of years where I was really battling with bad, bad pain, physical pain, and the ups and downs of all of that, but it showed me such a, a different side to Mark, just the, the gracious, the patience, the, um, the, the, his ability to serve me and serve the kids in such a vulnerable, weak sort of time and navigating all of that and just his incredible steadfastness and trusting God through all of that. It was really incredible. And you know what? It's the same with our relationship with God. We see new facets of who Jesus is. And um, when I, I look back over the past two decades of being a Christian, there've been many, many defining moments where um, God has revealed more of himself to me. I mean, I could share for hours and hours of these defining moments where God has birthed something new inside of me. He showed me another facet of who Jesus is, and it's brought me into new, exciting seasons and chapters of my life, and I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful for that, and it's, it's like each time he's birthed something new, and it's come from a place of actually just being with him and knowing him, and I, you know, seeing the new starts with seeing Jesus, and I don't know about you, but I long for him. I long for Jesus more than church. I long for Jesus more than a beautiful worship set. I long for Jesus more than preaching and teaching and more than ministry. I want Jesus because I know when you meet Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. You cannot remain the same when you encounter him. And when we long and hunger after him, he will reveal more of himself to us. He longs to reveal more of himself to you, ma'am. He longs to reveal more of himself to you, sir. He really, really does. And he meets us at our expectation and at our hunger and our thirst. So if anything, I just, I pray that you leave here this morning more thirsty and more hungry for him. And as David in the Psalm 42, verse one to two, he writes, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. My soul, my soul thirsts for you, the living God the living God. When will I come and see the face of God? And just see the face of God. That is, this is talking about a personal, intimate relationship. When I'm face to face with someone, it's personal. It's intimate. It's, um, he's not a far or far away, somewhere in the distance God. He wants us to come into these quiet spaces with him personally, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to reveal more of himself to you in those secret spaces. God longs to reveal more of himself. Seeing the new starts with seeing Jesus. And I really feel like God actually this morning wants to give us spiritual glasses to see him clearly, more clearly. And um, I feel like that's what he wants to do this morning. For those of you who are over 40 and are battling to see, won't you raise your hands with me? I know I'm not the only one. Yes, there's a lot of you out there. We know the story where we are kind of, everything gets a little bit further away. You know, you can't quite read the menu anymore when you go to the restaurants and you're zooming into big, big print and all of that. And, you know, you've got more of a frowning sort of look on your face. Um, trust me, swallow your pride. Buy the glasses, get the glasses. It makes life so much easier. Everything's so much clearer. Everything comes into focus. It's amazing. You know, my kids were even getting nervous of me driving at night. Even Mark, you know. 
<laughs> I have nighttime glasses. You know there's a problem when you're trying to cross the road and what you think, a car's like maybe 10 meters away, but actually it's about 500 meters away and everyone's like, mom, will you please just, you know, drive? And you know, okay, there's a problem. I need to get the glasses. Anyway, moving on. Um, God wants to give us spiritual glasses to see him more clearly. And maybe it's afresh. Maybe it's for the first time. Because when we see Jesus, everything changes. We cannot remain the same. It's then that he starts to new, do new things in our lives. And there's so many stories in the Bible about how people encounter Jesus and everything changes. I think about the woman who bled for 12 years and was struggling, seeing so many doctors. She just touches Jesus' cloak and she is healed instantly. Uh, I think of um, Zacchaeus, a greedy tax collector who climbs a tree because he's so short. He needs to see Jesus. He encounters Jesus and everything changes. He repents and he pays back everybody four times the amount that he owed and gives everything back to the poor. When we see Jesus, everything changes. Saul, a zealous uh, persecutor of Christians, when encountering Jesus, becomes a powerful leader leader and a, a preacher of the gospel, writing most of the New Testament um, books of the Bible. A dying thief at the end of his life on a cross sees Jesus, reveals, um, Jesus reveals who he is to him for the first time. And he says, God, uh, will you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Everything changes. Things start to happen. Eternal things start to happen. And you might say to me, Candace, all very well. These are stories that happened 2,000 years ago. We are in 2023. What does that mean for me today? Well, I want to tell you, Jesus is very much alive today. He is alive today, and he is wanting to speak to you. He is wanting to reveal himself to you. I'm so excited, and I'm so pumped, because I really feel like you are going to start a new chapter from today. And the title for my preach is um, Seeing Jesus. As simple as that. Today, I want to share from the book of John. So if you've got your Bibles, get your Bibles out to the book of John, chapter 4. It's the story of the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And she encounters Jesus and everything changes for her. Let's read it together. So he, Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. And she says, I, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. And later on in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I 
the one speaking to you, I am he, I am he. Later on in verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Let's just pray before I carry on. Father God, I just thank you for this time to share. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be upon my words that seem so limited at times, but I pray for your power. I pray for your presence. I pray for our hearts and our eyes to be open to see you, Jesus, to encounter you, Jesus, in a fresh way, and fresh revelation of who you are. We thank you for your presence here this morning in your precious name. Amen. And so... Just to give a bit of context to the story, Jews often avoided Samaria and wouldn't normally set foot in Samaria, wouldn't normally speak to any Samaritans because in, in those, those days, the, the, according to the Jewish laws, they would be declared unclean or defiled, speaking to Samaritans. And in verse 4, it says, very interesting, interestingly, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And this wasn't because of the geography and the layout of the town. This was because there was someone there that he had to meet. There was someone there that needed him. And Jesus goes beyond our prejudice. I want to tell you, Jesus goes beyond our borders and our preferences, and there is no one he is trying to avoid. He wants to meet with us. He goes after and he pursues this woman, the Samaritan woman. And I want to tell you as my first point, let's see Jesus who pursues us. You know, everyone is pursuing something these days, whether it's a success whether it's love or maybe it's to be loved, which are all not bad things. But here is this person, here is this Jesus who actually comes after us, who pursues us. Isn't it beautiful? Have you ever been pursued? Have you ever been chased after? We have to understand that this woman was an outcast. She had five husbands, and the man she was living with was not her husband. The reason why she came to draw water at noon, midday, when it was so hot, is because there was no one there. There was no one there. You can just imagine the stares and the glares, the gossip about this outcast, this sexually immoral woman, um, the ridicule. She didn't feel like more shame and guilt upon her, so she would try and escape the woman and the men in that day. And um, I want to tell you, Jesus pursues the outcasts. He comes after you. You are never too far gone for his love to reach you. Nothing you have done or nothing you will ever do will be too far for his love to come after you, for his love will reach you. And I, I was just trying to remember, you know, before giving my life to Jesus, I remember the incredible shame and guilt that I used to feel like night after night after partying and drugs and alcohol and doing crazy things uh, that I probably, yeah, just wouldn't even, yeah, I can't even imagine <laughs> that I would have ever done. And I would feel so ashamed the next day. I would feel so guilty and so ashamed. And um, I would lie to my family. I would lie to my friends. I would almost live this double, double life. And um, I had bad relationships. I mean, the guys that I used to go out with was more about lust than love, to be honest. And I would do anything just to be accepted and just to be loved. 
Yet Jesus came after me. I want to tell you, Jesus came after me and he never stopped pursuing me. He used to put Christians in my path like year after year, month after month, and I would actually get so irritated, but <laughs> I knew he was calling me. And, but he would show me facets through people, through Christians, just something of his love, something of his power. And I just wasn't ready though. And then I remember starting work as a graphic designer in Durban, and there was this Christian girl, again, who I worked next to, and she kept telling me about Jesus, and she kept telling me about this incredible church, I must come to church, kept inviting me, and I was like, oh my word, will this girl ever just stop? <laughs> Eventually, I went just to keep her quiet, and um, yeah, it was really, really incredible, but the, the, the turning point in my life was when she actually said to I was struggling with a whole bunch of sickness and going to doctors and I was really, really battling and not getting any answers. And she said, listen, come to my house. I've got some friends that are going to pray with you and we're going to trust that God's going to heal you. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'm tired of spending money with these doctors. I'm going to go. And um, went, I remember the night, I remember being in her lounge and then praying around me in tongues and thinking, what the heck is going on? But I just remember the power of God coming down in that moment, the manifest presence of God, the love of Jesus in that moment. I encountered Jesus. There were many tears, lots of shaking about, but I felt God's love. It was so real. And I felt him say to me, my girl, will you follow me? Will you give up everything and follow me? Will you follow me? And it was that point where everything changed. He healed me completely. I got baptized. I got involved in church, but my whole life turned upside down. It was like this 180 degree turn. I remember feeling heavy. I remember the enemy being so real and lying to me, um, putting thoughts in my head, you know, for many years struggling with depression and anxiety and almost lying to me about self-harm and, I mean, all sorts of strange things. Yet Jesus' love came after me and he said, you're my girl. You're my girl. I'm coming after you. And he has set me free. He has brought me joy and life and peace. It's like stepping out of the darkness into the light. It was really, really incredible. And um, I want to remind you that God comes after you, that he loved you first before you even loved him because it says that while we were still sinners, God loved us. How amazing. In Romans 5 verse 8 um, it says, but God clearly shows and he proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, he died for us. In your dirt, in your depravity, in your darkness, in your, your muck, and your mess, he comes after you. 1 John 4 verse 10 says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He pursues you, he runs you down while you're still stuck in your mess, and he holds you. Even though you're squirming about, he holds you because he loves you that much. He loves you, and he comes after you. I just want to share very quickly a picture that God gave me. I just feel like I want to share it because maybe it's for somebody here, even if it's just for one person. But it was a couple of, yeah, it was, I was newly sort of, well, maybe a year or two of being saved. I had a little baby. I was a new time mom. I really battled with anxiety and fear, struggled with panic attacks. Those things were very real for me, really battled still, even though I knew Christ was a long journey. And um, I remember in worship, just worshiping and him giving me this incredible picture. And I saw myself stuck in this deep, dark, dirty ditch. And my clothes were dirty and I was almost passed out. And I was in this sort of desolate wasteland. There was no life. And I clearly remember seeing Jesus coming towards me in his 
uniform, like a soldier's uniform, like a man of war coming after me, chasing me down. And he came into that ditch, into that mess, and he picked me up, and he brought me out, and he put me into a spacious place, a place that was green and lush and full of life. He put me on my feet, and my clothes became clean, and he looked at me, he lifted my chin, and I looked into his eyes. Just a beautiful picture of our intimate Jesus that we serve. And um, I just felt like, wow, God, you come after me, even in my, my mess, you come after me. And I feel like this is maybe something for somebody out there that actually he wants to get you out of that ditch. You are not too far gone for his love. He comes after you. Jesus breaks the divide by pursuing and reaching out to the Samaritan woman, and he says, Will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman says to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, in those days, men would never speak to women, if, only if they were their relatives, not in public. They wouldn't speak to them. And also, obviously, Samaritan, Jews wouldn't speak to Samaritans, yet Jesus breaks all of that. And I want to ask you, do you ever feel like an outcast? Do you ever feel prejudiced? Do you ever feel far away? Jesus comes after you. He pursues you with his love. I remember um, when I first met Mark, uh, very, you know, I was newly saved, a couple of months saved. I met this man and we were good friends and he kept pursuing me. <laughs> he kept asking me to go date him. I think it was about three times that he asked me, right? You disagree with me, but I, I remember it being three times and I said, no, Jesus is my boyfriend. I'm do he's doing too much work with me. No, 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 no. But it was so amazing to see how secure he was that he knew what he wanted and he came after you. I'd never had anyone pursue me like that. And it's the same with Jesus and him pursuing us. It really, really is. And um, yeah, so let's see this Jesus who pursues us. Point number one. Carrying on with our text in John 4. Let, uh, the second point I want to say is let's see Jesus who knows our weaknesses. In John 4, 6 to 8, it says, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? We have to know that Jesus was tired. He was thirsty and he was hungry. His disciples were going to get food. Jesus is fully human and fully God. And he took on our flesh. It just means that he understands. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our temptations. He understands our limitations. For me, it's encouraging. I don't know about you, but he sympathizes. We serve a Jesus who sympathizes with us, who knows what it's like to be weak and vulnerable and tired and to struggle. And yet he comes out sinless. Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been betrayed or tempted or persecuted? Jesus knows. He's been there and he knows. Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says, this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. But I love this. The very next verse says, what does this mean for us? It says, let us then, then means what has happened before, let us then, because he's faced the same temptation, weakness, and pain, and is sinless, we can now approach God's throne of grace with confidence and ask him for help in our time of need and ask him for mercy. And it's because Jesus has experienced this and overcome, he's ready to help us in our time of need. You have to know that. He can sympathize with us, he knows, and we can come confidently to our Father because of all that he has done for us. And as Jesus was talking with the Samaritan woman, he asks her to call her husband. And she says, I have no husband. And 
he, he explains the whole situation of her five husbands and all of that. And um, I just want to say that Jesus knows everything about us, but it's not to condemn us. It's not to condemn us. It's to convict us of our sin so that we can come to him in repentance and ask for his help with confidence. Actually, um, he offers his help. He doesn't come to condemn. He comes to convict and offer help. He says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The word gift there actually means grace. He's offering her grace. He's offering this woman, this outcast, this woman who um, has been deemed uh, sexually immoral. He says, here is my gift to you, my gift of grace. He's offering her hope and freedom. And he does the same for us today. He offers us grace on the day of our salvation, but he offers us grace each day and every day. And he continues to offer it to us because he knows we need it and we are weak. And... Um, it brings me to my next point. Let's not only see Jesus who pursues us and chases us down, uh, see Jesus who understands and knows our weaknesses, but let's see Jesus who satisfies our souls. Jesus speaks about this living water. He says in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, I was trying to think when you're thirsty, think about when you're thirsty, perhaps you've run a 10K race and you've forgotten your water bottle or you've done a spinning class and you are dying of thirst. There's nothing quite like water that quenches your thirst. You can give me Coke, you can give me Sprite, you can give me energy, but water quenches that th thirst. Coke seems to make you a little bit more thirsty. And it's the same with this. Are you desperate? Are you thirsty for Jesus? You know, we can fill up with all sorts of different things. Maybe it's money in the bank or a promotion or a holiday overseas. Um, nothing quite quenches the, that thirst in our, in our souls that Jesus can. And Jesus is referring to water that will satisfy our souls, the life that he gives. And this is fresh. It's, he speaks about a spring, that a vigorous spring of life. He, comes to bring life and life to the full. It's not stagnant. It's not dead. And um, Jesus is the only one who can satisfy our souls. You know, your soul desires Jesus more than money, more than alcohol, more than sex, more than social media. Some of you have a God-sized hole in you that, you know what, will never be filled unless you fill it with God. Unless you fill it with Jesus and you keep going back to these things, maybe you're trying to fill it with that relationship or those pills or that drink to try and cover the shame or deal with the heartache and the loneliness. Maybe you're trying to fill it with success and money and achievements, but it doesn't quite fill that empty space that is meant to be filled by God. We were created for Him and therefore we desire His presence. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, He has planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. God has set a longing in your heart, ma'am, a longing in your heart, sir, which nothing else can satisfy but Him. This woman kept trying to fill her soul with men, trying to find love, trying to fill that hole, but never satisfied. She didn't realize that Jesus was the one who could satisfy. Let's see Jesus who satisfies our souls. Let him fill you up. And lastly, the Samaritan woman, you know, she thinks he's a prophet. He says, sometime, one day, this Messiah is going to come and he's going to explain everything and he's going to sort out all this mess. And then Jesus reveals, he says, I, the one you're speaking to, I am he. 
and she drops her jar and she runs and with excitement to go and tell everybody in the town. Everything changes for her. You know, at first she was running away from the town or running away from people. Now she's running towards people because everything has changed because she has seen the Messiah. She has seen Christ. Everything changed and He wants to do the same for you and He wants this living water to flow out of you into your spheres of influence, into your worlds to, to help a dying and a lost and a broken world. And my heart for you this morning is to see Jesus again to see His pursuing love that chases you down, to see Him knowing your weakness and sympathizing and you coming close to Him because of that and see Him as the only one who can satisfy that deep longing inside of your soul. We all need Him again and again and again. And that is my prayer for you this morning. We thank you. Lord, I just pray, Father, can I ask you to stand? Lord Jesus, we just come to you this morning. And if anything, Lord, I pray that you would start to burn a passion inside of our hearts and a thirst and a hunger after you again. Remind us of our first love, Lord. Oh, Father, where hearts feel almost dead, I just pray that you bring life, Lord. That you bring life, Lord. That, Father, you would reveal Jesus to us. Jesus, you are the face of God. You reveal the Father to us. Lord Jesus, I just pray, reveal who you are in a real and tangible and powerful way to your sons and daughters, to everybody here, whether they've been saved for a week or whether they've been saved for 50 years. Lord, I pray, come afresh, Lord. Come afresh in our times with you, in our, in our church services, in our alone times with you. Oh, Father God, as we read your word, let it come alive again, Lord. Let us feel your presence and your power and that you would start to birth new things inside of us, that you would start to break strongholds in moments as we encounter you, God, that only you can, Jesus. Break cycles of sin, break addictions, Lord. Bring healing, Jesus, in the way that only you can, God. I just pray for that in your precious, precious, beautiful name. We thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.